0: listening to RPC Ramblings, a podcast by Rich Hill Presbyterian Church. Hope you enjoy the chat. Hello and welcome back to RPC Ramblings. We're really glad to have you along with us today and we hope that you're well and even enjoying some of your summer. My name is Leslie ann Wilkinson. I'm one of the discipleship workers at Rich Hill Presbyterian and as always I'm joined by Alex Richardson. Morning yep. Alex. Good morning, Lesanne. Alex is also one of our discipleship workers, um, and today we are joined by Sam Strain. Morning, Sam. Good,
1: good morning. Good morning, Lesley. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah.
0: Good, Sam. So Sam's a member at Rachel Presbyterian. Um, Sam, would you like to tell us a bit about yourself, uh, maybe your family, your work?
1: Yeah, absolutely. How, how long have you gone? <laughs> not, not very long, hopefully. So. Yeah, so I'm, I'm a vet, veterinary surgeon, um, really a veterinary scientist. I've spent most of my, my life working in the veterinary sciences. Um, I head up a not-for-profit company now that, that looks after trying to develop control programs for diseases of cattle. And so I work across Northern Ireland, but also collaborate with, with international partners in the South and across the world. So um, yeah, that, that, that's what I do. Family, um, Helen, my wife. Um, most people will know, and our two boys, uh, Matthew and, and Daniel. Uh, Daniel has astonishingly, you know, time speeds up when you get older. Okay, <laughs> it doesn't seem like only yesterday since he went to university, but he's now finished university, um, and mm. is looking to do a placement in Westminster. So wow. they'll, be, they'll be going with a placement with a with an MP and uh, a member of the Lords in Westminster in the, in the autumn. All being well, we don't know what coronavirus is going to be the impact on yeah. that, but that's kind of the next stage in, in, in his life, I guess. Matthew going into his A-levels and um, just wanting to do maths. Yeah. four maths, that's, that's his world. Um, Helen, her degree was in maths. She's the mathematician. I'm okay. a biologist. I don't do maths. I just yeah. do messy, <laughs> sticky, yucky stuff. Um, that, that, that's what I do. Um, so that's a kind of a part of history. Uh, we've been in RPC for uh, about 10 years. Uh, so prior to that, we lived uh, kind of in and around Lorne, I went to Craigie Hill, which is where Ben is now. Yeah. So uh, it's, uh, it's a very small world.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, but we've been in RPC for 10 years, and uh, that's, that's us. That's us, us and our little family.
0: Brilliant. That's crazy. I wouldn't have thought it's been 10 years. Time really has flown in. But, um, yeah. no, it's good It's good to have you on today. Um, how, how are you guys getting on lockdown? And I know it's maybe easing a bit now, but you were saying that your work hasn't changed that much, Sam, or you're still yeah. as busy anyway.
1: Yeah, I, mean, so I sort of joke that I, I was Zooming before Zoom became popular. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so um, my, my work, I, I largely work from home. I do a lot of traveling mm. as well with work, but I largely work from home and, and, and so on. So in that sense, it hasn't really changed things mm. a lot for me um i'm certainly locked down at home so i'm not doing meetings and talking at conferences and doing training and all those other all yeah. things that, that i'll be involved in but um so yeah lockdown has been, been an in, an interesting experience i think i think to be fair i've probably had it had it easy compared to yes. lots of people lots yeah. of people have had it much more difficult than than, than i have
0: Well, Sam, thank you for joining us today. Um, We're continuing on in our series on God's Attributes, and throughout this series we've said many times that it's impossible for us to separate God's attributes because they are who he is. Um, So really, each thing we've talked about has been an extended conversation of what's gone before or what's coming after. And actually, Alex and I found it quite hard to decide what order to do things in, because Really, you want to say everything at once to do, to do it justice, and, and yet we can't do that. Um, so, so that's in a similar vein today. Today, we're going to be talking about the fact that God is wise and that God is holy. And yet this is interlinked and overlapped and, and part of everything of who God is. So, so we wouldn't say that these are distinct. Um, we'll start off with thinking about God's wisdom. So if we just start there and as always just throw it out, what do we actually mean when we say that God is wise?
1: It's it's an it's an interesting question because mm-hmm. um, in both terms wisdom and holiness are, are slippery customers. So <laughs> you know, how 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 do you define them? What what's the definition mm-hmm. of them? Um, and and particularly for wisdom, I think it's it's maybe easiest to define it uh, in in what it does. It's mm-hmm. one of these things that you know it when you see it. Yeah. But being able to describe it is 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 quite difficult. And I guess one of the one of the ways of thinking about it well for me to think about it i think i have to go back to the old testament and to the wisdom literature so Mm -hmm. you know there's there's wisdom books books of wisdom in the old testament particularly proverbs because that that's about that that's entirely taken up with with dealing with wisdom and it actually describes wisdom as being personified Mm -hmm. as a as a lady actually um and it describes it as being incredibly valuable so it's kind of a a core bit within that book, uh, chapter eight, I think it is, where um, wisdom is described as being more precious than silver, more precious than gold, more precious than rubies. In fact, more precious than anything. So so the, the Bible treats wisdom itself as something very, very valuable, very, very valuable. And I guess it's something that is largely, maybe maybe neglected within the church today, I would say I think it's something that we don't we don't think about. We don't think about wisdom as a subject or God as being wise. What does that mean? Um, and maybe one way of thinking about it is is how, how do you go about making decisions in life? So um, you know if you if you want to make a decision in life, how do you make a decision? So there's kind of two ways. There's a kind of the, I'm a scientist, so there's yeah. a scientific <laughs> way. Okay, there's a sciency way. Um, this Is you know, you know, how um, you know, the government's talking about coronavirus, saying we're following the science, we're following the science, and this is what science says, we'll, we'll do this. But of course, that's got real limitations because science is, is provisional, um, there's uncertainties within it. and certainly with the coronavirus thing, you know, what we knew in March,
0: yeah,
1: very much less than what we know now, mm. and arguably some of the decisions made back then driven by the science may have not been the best because we didn't know so the science or knowledge reasons for making a decision are are limited the the other way that that religious people maybe make decisions is kind of ethics an ethical Mm. decision what's the right thing to do what's the wrong thing to do and of course as christians we we have a very high view of ethics we think that's really important but even that doesn't help us with a lots of the day-to-day decisions you make in life so for example um what course should i do who should i marry um should i go for that promotion should i speak to that person as opposed to that person when i speak to them how should i speak to them what should i talk about you know those sorts of day to day questions that, that we kind of face well science isn't going to give you an answer and they're not really ethical questions either they're kind of somewhere in the middle and and the bible i think says that's where wisdom comes in mm-hmm. and wisdom comes in gives you sort of a, a, a guidance for, for for how to how to approach these things so um there's a there's a german um theologian from last century People hardly hardly no one has heard of him uh, his, his name's called john um gerhard von rad okay mm-hmm. he was a really interesting guy he was a lutheran theologian uh lived in the first half he died in 1970 something like that um but he lived during the nazi the nazi era within germany Mm. okay uh he had a religious experience as a child and so that kind of where, where his faith story started as it were but the interesting story is that during the nazi period in germany in the 30s and the 40s um they were very the nazis were very keen on the new testament in terms of it being christian Mm. But they were very down on the Old Testament mm. because that was very Jewish. Okay. So they're very kind of had, had uh, this kind of ambivalent approach to the Bible. And von Rad was was really troubled by that actually. And it actually drove him to become an Old Testament theologian. That's he said, Well, somebody's gonna to have to defend the Old yes. Testament, and that's what he did. And he wrote a lot about Old Testament wisdom That's a long story to come to my point. <laughs> my point is sorry no, no. <laughs> oh, okay. is that he 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 made a definition of wisdom and i think it's the best definition that i am aware okay i've written it down so i don't get it wrong okay he said wisdom is becoming competent with regard to the realities of life hmm. okay wisdom is becoming competent with regard to the realities of life okay that's not, that's what that's what wisdom wisdom is Um so as Christians, you know, we're called not just to be good, we are called to be good, but we're called to be wise as well, actually. Um so to try and kind of I suppose illustrate this now we'll get to God. I (laughs) am gonna get there, okay? Where you're wearing. But to maybe kind of think about what wisdom is and how it how it works out um is says, there's some old testament stories that are quite helpful i think a mm. um, story of absalom so absalom was uh, one of david's sons um he was he was all the things men like want to be you know he wasn't he was intelligent and he was handsome and he was all of these things and people flocked him and he wanted to usurp his his father david from the throne and um at one point it looked like he was really going to succeed because one of david's trusted advisors a man called uh, ahithophel um, abandons david to go to absalom and that's a big big blow to david because ahithophel is treated in the bible as being incredibly wise He's the sort of guy that Boris Johnson would, would want to have at his table, you know, in terms of giving him advice, because this guy's going to give you good advice. He is very, very wise. And the Bible describes him as being very, very wise. And David is, is really probably at his lowest point when hit the Hethephaphil goes over to Absalom. And to try and undo that, David sends another one of his colleagues, a man called Hushai, trusted, another trusted aide, to actually go into Absalom's court and to try and undermine Ahithophel's advice. So Ahithophel's there, the best advisor in Israel. He's giving Absalom this brilliant advice, and David knows this is really important because if this if Absalom follows Ahithophel's advice, I'm in real trouble. So Hushai goes in to try and undermine, undermine Ahithophel. And there comes a point in the story, in the narrative, in um in, in samuel where um absalom is faced with a question the question is when should i attack david it's not a question of if he's going to attack david it's where when should i attack david and the Hithophel says go now attack now because right now david at his lowest point people have abandoned him he's weakened if you attack him now you're gonna win and hushai comes in and whispers in absalom's ear and says well hold on a second hold on a second david you, now this this guy's a real big warrior this this david guy you know he he knows how to fight and he's, he's a real desert rat um and um he he you know, he, he's 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 the king of israel and after all absalom the people love you you know your poll ratings are going up so hold fire, you know, don't, don't, don't attack David just yet. And it's absolutely the wrong advice. But Absalom takes it, he's, he's, he's uh, he plays on Absalom's vanity. Mm-hmm. okay. And finally, and Absalom says, yeah, okay, I'll wait. And Ahithophel actually leaves and the Bible narrative, kills himself because he knows that's just the bad advice, wrong advice. And it's really an illustration, I think, in the, in the scripture narrative of, of the value of wisdom, that's kind of, it's not a scientific answer. It's not a moral answer. It's just a strategic question that, that Absalom's faced with, and he's given he's given bad bad advice, bad wisdom. So it's kind of it's kind of an illustration of um, I suppose of of what wisdom is and the value of wisdom. Um, it, it's a picture of it. But I suppose thinking about proverbs um, and wisdom. Um, one of the ways it's described in proverbs is as a person so it's it's described in in proverbs as you know as a a lady and often addressed to my son and and it's a picture of um wisdom wisdom speaking with 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 people and 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 uh, of interposing with them and and talking to them and and discussing with them and that the way wisdom is portrayed in, in his Proverbs is, is really interesting. I think as Christians, we, we come to Proverbs, a book, in a, in a kind of an odd way. <laughs> a kind of cherry-pick, you know, we go to a certain yes. Proverbs, I'm talking about that Proverb, or this Proverb, and there's hundreds of them in there. But actually, within the Jewish, um, within, the, within the way that, that, that people were would have been educated within Judaism, it would have been treated as a whole book. And they would have treated it, they would have read it as an entire as an entire book so proverbs start starts properly in about chapter 10 i think it is where the proverbs start and this is kind of preamble beforehand long preamble where Pro- wisdom is described as valuable mm-hmm. and and actually being as part of the creation so um, proverbs 8 is actually a creation account Your wisdom's in there in creation mm-hmm. so which, which illustrates of the which is different from all the creation kinds it says that creation is made wisely mm-hmm rationally knowably um that there's a it's not random nor is the product of the gods fighting amongst each other which all other nations would have said it, it's, it's made in a rational way mm-hmm. but as it unfolds in the book of proverbs the first four chapters proverbs 10 to think 15 it takes a kind of a Kind of a moral approach to, to how to do mm-hmm. things. So it says, you know, if you're good, you will flourish. If you're not good, you won't flourish. Um, if you live, a, you know, a, a good life, things will go well for you. If you live a bad life, things will go badly for you. And and um, it it seems very neat. Okay. And so if you are, um, if you're politically right of centre, it ticks all those boxes. You know. Mm-hmm. And so you you. you, you if you do good, you're going you're gonna to end up good. And if you do bad, you're going to end up badly and so on. Mm. But, then, but you can't stop there because the end of Proverbs says, yes, that's the, that's the generality, but actually there's exceptions. Mm. And exceptions are sometimes bad things happen to good people. Sometimes um, the child that's, that's raised well goes off the rails. Mm. Some things, sometimes things go, um, go, go wrongly. And it's kind of this this balance in terms of wisdom we've got to have a wisdom that yes there's a there's a fundamental I suppose wisdom gives you a way of looking at the world so it's 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 looking at the world to kind of to von rad's description of being competent with regard to the realities of life it gives you a picture of there is a framework to the world there are good things and there are bad things and there are consequences of doing good things and there are consequences of doing bad things but we don't know at all Because sometimes the consequences turn out not in a predictable way. Sometimes bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people. That's the reality of it. And and I think that's the grand narrative of of what wisdom gives people is that there's a deep structure to the way things are. Mm. God has made the world, the universe, in a knowable, understandable way. So there's a deep structure to it. But well, there's also things out there that we just don't know. Yeah. We just haven't got an answer for. And that, we'll come to holiness in a minute. Yes. But holiness is really important when we're when, when yeah. thinking about this, I think. Because um, we just don't know at all. Mm. And, the, and, the, and the challenge for the Christian is, how do you respond to that? But we'll come back to that when we come to holiness. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so that, that's what wisdom is now one of the things that's really striking as i said in proverbs is it's described as a person Mm. now there's one way of looking at that which is a kind of a it's kind of a literary didactic device a way of making a point like personifying wisdom okay but what if wisdom actually was a person Mm. what if wisdom actually was a person okay um I, i there's a book called this book of Sirach. It's a Jewish book. It's in the Apocrypha, so it's a book that would have been used by Jew, Jewish people in terms of training, and it's a it's a book of wisdom. Okay, it's not in our Bible um, because the Reformers, for example, re- regarded it as valuable. Mm-hmm but not suitable for being in the bible because the jews had a high value of it but they didn't put it in their bible so that was what the reformers viewed about but where i'm getting to is there's a little bit of the very end of it um and and there's various translations of it but let me read it to you because and see if you spot whether this rings a bell okay if you're a christian let me read this to you very end of it it says it's talking about wisdom Um, as if wisdom speaking okay turn on to me you who are untaught. why do you say you are lacking in these things and why are your souls so thirsty i say to you find wisdom put your neck under its yoke and bear its burden okay that's sir okay so if we go to let's see now Matthew. Mm-hmm. Matthew eleven, is it? Matthew eleven, absolutely. Yeah, spot on. Wow. It it looks like to his original hearers, they would have been knocked sideways
0: mm. Okay,
1: because this is what Jesus says Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for i am gentle and humble in spirit and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light he's using those literary devices in the old testament the book of Sirach, those ideas about wisdom and he's saying yes you need to put yourself under wisdom but i'm wisdom Mm. (laughs) but i am wisdom okay um the old testament is personifying in a way that says well if you think of wisdom as something as, as a person then jesus comes along and says if you want to know wisdom if you want to know what wisdom is i am wisdom yeah. i am wisdom um so so i think i think as a, as a christian you know as a non-christian the world might think of it, it's good to be sensible it's good to be wise it's good to good counsel but as a christian where do you where do you go to look at the world as as sir von rad says how do you become competent with regard to the realities of life how do you do that Mm. and you can do it by going to a philosopher or going to a guru or going to self-help group help self-help um and so on but actually for a christian you go to christ Mm. because he he is the wisdom he is the wisdom that, that that we need in terms of how do I know whether I should marry that girl or not? Or that guy or not? Or how should I know is that the job I should go to or not? Well, it's actually being steeped in how Christ looks at the world. That's mm-hmm. what gives us wisdom. Um, I mean, my book of John is my favourite gospel. Um, and the very start of it is that use that word logos, word. You know, in the beginning was the logos, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. That word logos is full of meaning in the, Jew, in, the, in, the, in the Greek world because it's a word that's used really for wisdom. Mm-hmm. So you could say, I think reasonably, substitute the word word with the word wisdom. In the beginning was the wisdom, mm-hmm. and the wisdom was with God, and the wisdom was God. And and I think that's what wisdom is. And when we talk about God only wise, I think we're thinking in terms of what it is. So it's helping us to to navigate the world just in our day-to-day lives. Um, It's personified in in Jesus, who is the the perfect example of wisdom. And how do we apply it? I think we apply it by, by a sense, I suppose, steeping ourselves in Christ, actually thinking about Christ, thinking about looking at the world through Christ's eyes. We're we're going to talk about holiness Mm -hmm. in a second, but one of the big challenges, I think, for Christians, for all of us, actually, is we tend to take an extension to the house approach to Christianity. You know, we've got got our our lives are our Mm -hmm. our house, and Christianity is an extension we've bolted onto Mm -hmm. the side of our house. Which we wander into when we want a bit of Christianity, and we wander out of when we want to do real life, ordinary life. But but Christianity doesn't allow us to do that. It actually is underpinning everything. So I think I've rambled on far too long. <laughs> I just realise I'm so sorry, but um, I, I I just think that's what that's what wisdom is. You know, wisdom is 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 knowing how to navigate through life. Where do we find wisdom? We find it in Christ. Mm. I'll
0: stop there. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that 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 was incredible. Sam, you managed to um cover all of our our main headings so helpfully. I I really I was just listening to every word. I found that really helpful. And I have never heard that um that book that's not included in our Bible, yeah, that Jewish book, and then the direct line to Christ. I've never heard that link. It's, but it's just an incredible personification that you know we we say that Jesus is personification of wisdom, and that was a really helpful, clear. Um, example of that Uh, so so thank you for that I think I think actually I actually I want to hear how you're going to link this to holiness so I think we'll maybe just move straight there because you've you've covered that so well and so so we're also saying today and now I'm thinking we really should have taken these separately because we have so much to say but we're also saying today that God is holy so in in the same manner we want to ask what do we mean by that how does it in Christ what does it mean for us so so what would we say to that that God is holy
1: so so again i you know you define your terms okay what do you mean by holy okay and so and again holiness holy or holiness is is, it's a slippery term people have lots of views of it that maybe are not very healthy so um people may have a view of holiness as being um, what do you do how Mm. you behave okay mm-hmm. uh, and usually sorry outside the faith people will will use in a kind of pejorative way well he's holier than thou okay yeah. he you know he's he you know he, he behaves in a certain way or there's a certain way of behaving and that's what defines holiness and actually when you you think about it that's not really what the bible describes holiness as being certainly holiness has impacts upon how we behave yeah. for sure Um, But that's not what holiness, I don't think, uh, is. So um, I was kind of thinking about where do you start with this? Mm, (laughs) Where do you go with holiness? So, so I went to First Peter, um, to to kind of as as a as a a launching point for it. So, the the book of First Peter is really about dealing with how, as Christians, do you um, live in the context of trouble. Mm -hmm. So, you know, life is hard. Um, The early church is going through persecution. There's all sorts of issues hitting the church. And the question that Peter is posing is, how do you you live in that context without being crushed by the tough stuff of life? Mm Uh, and what peter actually does in the passages he he turns on his head and says actually those hard bits of life are there not to crush you if you're a christian but to help you flourish as a christian mm-hmm. okay so, so so to kind of cut, cut to the chase i suppose And first peter the very start of it he starts off with describing you know praising god and um, for what he has done and what he has done and 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 therefore, how we are to behave. And then he says in verse 13, therefore, prepare your minds for action, be self controlled, set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy, because um, I am holy so he's 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 saying you, as christians you you have to be holy god is holy and you must be holy so i want to use that as kind of my kind of my launch pad if you like to mm-hmm. to think to think around holiness mm-hmm. um so it's worth thinking about what holiness actually means so the um hebrew word actually sounds a bit like what it actually is in english only enough bizarrely enough it's cut OK, which just means cut off, mm-hmm. cut off, OK, or, or separated. Mm-hmm. So that's fundamentally what what it means, that, that, that God is, is, is separated from us, is, is, uh, you know, is, is, is completely different from us. And I suppose the challenge for us as Christians, when we're thinking about God, is we are, all of us, I think, always under... Um, the temptation to make god small Mm. so and and the old concept of holiness undermines that so the the way of thinking about god often is to think of him as like us but bigger Mm -hmm. like us but better Mm. okay and that's exactly the model that the ancients would have had for their gods okay um if you if you know anything of kind of the, the the ancient myths of, of lots of these ancient peoples, a lot of it is about they're a bit like Marvel superheroes, yes. you know. Um, Marvel superheroes, they're, they're Marvel superheroes have superpowers, but fundamentally they're like us, you know. They're as, they're, as, they're as nasty and brutish and selfish and greedy as us, but just bigger. Okay, and and that's kind of sometimes that the picture that we can have of God. He's a bit like us, but he's just bigger than us. But the concept of Holiness. If we think about God as being holy, is He is cut off from us. He is completely different from us. It's not that He's at the top of the scale. He is off the yes. scale. Okay. He is. He is way beyond us. He is way beyond anything of of our imaginings, um, and anything that that we do, we try and sort of frame around God, is is always going to. In some extent missed the mark because god was holy he's completely different he's completely other. he he isn't one of us he's a lot bigger he he's a lot different from us he's not he's not greater than us and i think that's that's really important very very important actually and there's lots of you, know, you could you could spend a lot of time thinking about the practical implications of it um but but here's a couple off it's sort of kind of top of my head so that The the first is, when we're talking about trouble, okay, and if I talk about wisdom, and wisdom and how you deal with, how you navigate through, through life, okay. Well, holiness helps you to navigate through life. Because if I'm going through trouble, if there's terrible stuff happening to me, as a Christian, I will pray. But I'll be very tempted to pray something along the lines of, God, if you really got this in hand mm-hmm. do you really know what you're doing here because because this stuff's happening here to me and, and do, you, do you really know what you're doing you know um, like you might to if you're in a business you might talk to your CEO the chief executive and say well chief executive should know but he's, he's just a bigger person than me so has he got it right mm. as has, has 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 the celestial chief executive got it right here mm. okay. But in reality, if God is holy, if He is so much higher, so much greater than us, of course He's God.
0: Mm.
1: Of course He's God. Yeah, um, you know Isaiah 55. As high as the heavens are above the earth, that's so higher. My way is more you. My thoughts higher than your thoughts. Okay, and for the Christian who is going through trouble and difficulty, and it hits. It will hit all of us. It hits all of us. Mm. Um, that's 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 incredibly um uh reassuring you know people of god run into the house and they find rest and that's rest and what's rest rest is complete assurance and and uh falling back into his arms knowing that he's going to catch you knowing that you know trouble will come Book of proverbs in wisdom says in general if you do good good things will happen to you you do bad bad things will happen to you but sometimes bad things happen to good people good things happen to bad people and and the temptation for us as christians is to ask us why god why and god says i am holy i am bigger than you i am greater than you i am i am i am more than you and and that for the christian is deeply reassuring and one of the things that has really struck me when you get old older like me okay you, you get to observe lots of christians and i we've had the the benefit of living in lots of places with my work and things and, and kind of hopped around and rpc's to be one of the places we've, we've been in longest actually um, but you get to see christians and you get to see some christians you've gone you're going through real tough stuff I mean, I mean ministers particularly will see this but you get to see it um and i can think of you know, a number of really godly men and women who are now in glory actually um and think through you know, had really tough lives maybe tough ends to their lives actually but they got god and i think they got his holiness because there was a certain peace about them that's kind of inexplicable from a human perspective mm-hmm. but but that's because they believed in the holy god a god is bigger bigger than, than we can imagine so i think that's very practical um i mean the word the word holy is 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 added as a as a suffix to lots of um the characteristics of god and i, and I would argue i a bit controversially, i would argue that that holiness is is the defining characteristic of god we talk about god as love and he is loving of course and god is father and he is a father but he's his love is holy so it's orders it's off the scale of love mm. he's a holy father when jesus prays to prayers in john 17 mm. to his father he describes him at one point as my holy father and what he's saying is god is a father who's off the scale first for some people I mean, i'm very fortunate i've had I've, i have a great father okay but for some people who have had terrible fathers or terrible terrible parents the idea of god being father is a really difficult concept for some people because it causes pain because they've their experience that that has been poor actually and i don't want to be little any of that at all absolutely not but thinking of god as a holy father means he's not just a good father a better father than that good father that you had mm. he's an the skill father he's a holy father beyond beyond reckoning he's a father that that, that loves you more than you can imagine or hope for that um, he is he is just off the scale and i think that the whole idea of god's holiness is if we don't get it and i'm not suggesting i've got it <laughs> but if we don't get it well then it impoverishes our christian lives mm. so um I'm so i'm rambling here sorry there's there's a there's a story in in samuel okay first samuel uh, if you were in growth groups we studied this a while back but um in the early books of samuel um, the people of god are kind of departing from god and they they have this box called the ark of the covenant and God has given them the Ark of the Covenant for, for one particular reason. And that is as a, as a, as a testimony to him, to, as a reminder to remind him, this is who I am. This is what I've done to you. I am your God. You are my people. It's, it's a testimony about God. That's really what the Ark of the Covenant is. But as the people of Israel fight their nemesis, the Philistines, mm-hmm. um, they start to lose sight of God. And they start to treat the ark mm. as a kind of a magic box.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So as a kind of a talisman, okay? So they have a battle, they lose the battle, and they say, we know what to do next. We'll take the ark with us into battle. So they take the ark into the battle, and of course, the Philistines win and capture the ark. Mm-hmm. And it's devastating to the people of Israel. Their talisman is gone, their magic box has gone. Cut a long story short, the Philistines have a terrible time with it, with it. And they send it back to Israel on a cart. And it ends up in a town called um, Beth Shemesh. A small community called Beth Shemesh. It comes wandering in, and the people in Beth Shemesh see the box and say, Oh, I wonder what's in there? And they open it, and they look inside, and seventy of the Bible says 70 of them are dead, die. And it's kind of a spiritual awakening for those people because they say at the end of it. Who can stand before you? Who can stand? What kind of God is this? Who can stand before you? You know, the box isn't magical. But what it's pointing towards is something completely other. So I think as Christians, we are always tempted to have impoverished views of God. Um, we, We need to have a larger view. And the whole idea of the holiness of God is all about God's otherness, God's greatness, off the scale of greatness, if you like. That would be my my take on, on holiness, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, but if I can go on a bit more, of course, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you can stop there, actually. Yeah. Because because P- Peter um, you know, says, God is holy, so if you're a Christian, you have to be holy. Mm-hmm. You have to be holy. And again, the picture of people's minds is, well, what does that mean? Does it mm-hmm. mean what we do how we behave well, well no one it's, it's the same it's the same idea of separateness now obviously it doesn't mean we are to be holy in the way that god is holy we can't be transcendental you know mm-hmm. we can't be transcendent okay um but what it does mean is we have to be completely separated so old testament um the 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 tools in the in the temple for example would have been described as holy you know, the holy linen, the holy holy bowls and, and so on. And what what that meant was these were things that were sent, set aside completely for the service of God. That's mm. what they were. So when we think of God's people being holy, it, it really comes down to being completely given over mm-hmm. or set over for God's service. So if my, my analogy of, you know, the Christian view of Christianity being a sort of bolt-on or an extension to your life. Um, that's not holy Christian living. No. Um, if we are called to be holy, that means we are entirely to be given over to God, entirely to uh, to, to be his, I guess. Um, so so one one last story mm-hmm. from the Old Testament. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> You'll think I've spent a whole my all my time in Samuel and not it's really, so but it's another so, so yeah. Samuel story, so it's not yeah. <laughs> about this. It's a really wee it's a really wee one in, in the second second book of Samuel. And again it's about David. And I, I think it really illustrates really nicely what the implications of being holy means for a Christian. Okay. So that, that's really what I'm driving at. Uh, it's a very tiny story in Second Samuel um david is again in trouble mm. uh, this time he's in trouble with the philistines and the philistines have come and they have uh, invaded bethlehem his hometown and david has fled to the desert with his likely band of of, um, of soldiers okay they're described as his mighty men, actually which yeah. is really interesting um, but he's fled okay and he's at a pretty low point and he in the in the narrative he, he's described as saying saying, almost sighing, murmuring, I really would love to have had a drink from the well at the gate of Bethlehem. Oh I just I just love it. Just a drink of water from the gate of Bethlehem, from the gate of the well of Bethlehem. Just, now he's not commanding anybody, he's not telling anybody to do anything. He's just he's just I really that's my home and i can taste that water i really wish to have that water and three of his mighty men over here and what they do is they go off and they go to bethlehem to get him a pitcher of water now that's an extraordinary thing to do because he's they're going into enemy territory Mm -hmm. they're going to break through the philistine ranks they're going to break probably through the wall of Bethlehem because probably the well was on the inside of the wall. Mm. Okay, They're going to break through the wall. Two of them are going to keep everybody else off. while One guy draws water, and then they're going to fight their way out of Bethlehem only to take a pitcher of water to David. Now, David would have had water in it. He wouldn't have put camp where there wasn't water. Okay, So he, it wasn't that he had the water. He just had this wish, oh, I wish I could taste the taste of water from Bethlehem. And they bring it to David. And it seems to me a really exceptional example of the implications of holiness. If we are to be wholly given over to God, then nothing is too much to do for God. Nothing is too much. So um silly <laughs> story. A couple of weeks ago, Helen One evening said, I would really like, I would really like a mint. (laughs) I would really like a mint. So, you know, I hopped in the car and went to the local shop to buy a tube of mints at 8 o'clock in the evening. Now, there's very, very few people that I'll go into the car at 8 o'clock in the evening to buy a tube of mints. There's very few people I'll do that for. But for Helen, no problem. It wasn't wasn't an issue. It wasn't a problem. Okay sometimes we think of our service to god we think of it in terms of what should i do what what what's what's the minimum i can do what should i do but actually what holiness means being completely given over to god is it's not about what should i do what can i do what can i do you know the new testament talks about and um, giving to god financially and the picture is 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 one of of generosity yeah. you know, it's not that you have to get x y or z just be generous yeah. give what you can give what you can so i think i think that picture in and david with his men is, is really interesting because it's an illustration of complete devotion you know completely giving themselves over they, had, they didn't care about themselves they only cared about david but the story doesn't end there because what david does with the water and the face of it seems very strange because he pours it on the water, pours it out in the ground. He doesn't drink it. He says, I'm not gonna drink this, he pours it out. And he says, and the reason he says is if you're gonna give that level of devotion to somebody, it shouldn't be to me. Mm. It should be to God. You need to be giving that level of devotion, that holiness, that Giving yourself completely over, separating yourself over completely to God, to not to me, King David, but to God. Uh, and I think that's really important. David, I think, I think saw better than maybe we would see, because we would, we might in that situation think, "Wow, hmm. i That men would do that for me, but David didn't. David said, "No, if you're going to have that kind of devotion, you need it. You need it for for God." Um, there's an essay that CS Lewis wrote called first and second things it's a real favorite of, of ours actually um, and and his Lewis's point in it is that there are good things and there are better things there are secondary things and there are primary things you know, and the secondary things are the good things in life you know things that that that, that you live for you know your work and your family and so on and so on uh, but he says those are all secondary you only get secondary things and they only fit into place when you put first things first yeah. first things first and newest mind is god If you put god first everything else falls into place everything else falls in place but if you put things the other way around you put the second things first then everything falls apart uh, i think that that's that's got the sense of of giving yourself entirely over over to god one last thought mm-hmm. about holiness okay that story of David, which is I can't help with this, this 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 is a really important I think thing you have to draw from that is when Jesus prayed in John 17 he prayed um, sanctify me I mm-hmm. think make me holy so that they Scott's people might be holy what Jesus is saying is I'm going to separate myself off so that my people can be holy, um, I'm going to separate myself off from God, I'm going to separate myself off from life. Um, to take the analogy from the David story, he's our mighty warrior. He's broken through the Philistines, he's got the water for us, he's beaten the enemy and he's provided us with water. So. God's holiness and our holiness are inextricably linked. That's why Peter, I think, says, God is holy. You must be holy. God has cut himself off. Jesus cut himself off from life in order that you might be cut off from the world, as it were, to be entirely given over to God. So I think, I think the idea of holiness, a bit like wisdom, has, has really practical implications for Christians. Um, how we think of God? is completely other. He's not just a big me. He's completely other. That gives us assurance. He knows what he's doing. Um, but it also means that we're called to be holy. We're called to be completely devoted to so absolutely everything that I do. Whether it's a Sunday morning or a Sunday evening Zoom meeting or just a Wednesday lunchtime whatever it has to be under God, completely given over to God. and that, that to me is what what holiness really means. I think. Um, I'm sorry, I've wittered on far too long. I'm sorry about that. But that that's kind of my thoughts on on holiness, I guess.
0: Thank you, Sam. That that's um that's incredible. I've really enjoyed your chat. Um, particularly I love the the illustration of the home and the extension. I think that's a really helpful way of thinking about it. That. Um, this is all of who we are it should be all of who we are because we are united to Christ and in Christ we receive this holiness because of that separation that he experienced and um, I think that that's just been really edifying really challenging so thank you thank you so much for that um, Alex and I have been nodding along and uh, just laughing it up I think haven't we um, I
1: mean just soaking it up i just like I love it because you you've, you sent me the couple of topics and, and forced me to go and have a think about it <laughs> And that, and that's really good, and I've uh, I've really I really enjoyed it actually. I really enjoyed thinking about it. That, that's been. It doesn't help anybody. It's helped me.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, it's at least helped the three of us. So so yeah, thank definitely. you. Um, yeah. I, I'm afraid we are going to have to finish it there, but uh, but thank you, Sam. Thank you for your time and for your preparation and for your clarity. Um, I think that's been mm. a really helpful uh, episode for all of us and everyone listening. So thank you for that. Um, thank you for everyone listening along. We do pray this has been helpful. In fact, I, I know it will be. And um, as always, please do get in touch if there's anything that you'd like to think about more. I've no doubt Sam would have recommendations if, if approached or, or through us um, of how you can study a bit more. So please do get in touch if there's anything we can help you with. Um, but until the next time, we, we love you, we miss you, we're praying for you. Um, thank you.